You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, Dub Nation? Recording this on Wednesday, March 31st. Before we jump into things, don't forget you could subscribe to our podcast either through iTunes or Spotify. I uh, usually do this on video. Couldn't do it this week. We'll be back on YouTube. You can subscribe to our page there as well at Golden State of Mind. This is Jazz Kang. For those of you who didn't know, joining me as always is Brady Klopfer. Brady, what is going on, my man? Not a whole lot, you know. Steph's back, so life's at least watchable again. That's you know, that's kind of the only news over here. <laughs> you didn't enjoy those nine days without without getting to or those uh, six days where you didn't get to see them play there, Brady? Because the Memphis, the first Memphis win, we all enjoyed, but after that, that week was was not very pretty. Yeah, you know, it was so bad because that first Memphis game, you're like, all right, well, maybe they'll be fine with Steph. And at the time, we only thought he was going to miss both of those Memphis games, and then. You know, they play the second Memphis game and you're like, oh, right. I forget that this team is really bad without Steph. And then you find out, oh, he's going to be out even longer. And it was just bad news after bad news. And who those games. I mean, I, I just want to say a thank you, a gigantic thank you to Jordan Poole. Because without Jordan <laughs> Poole, I don't think there was a single thing about the last week of Warriors basketball that was in any way, shape or form enjoyable to watch. Well, that third, that third quarter against Philadelphia was fun. That was awesome. That's true. That, that, That's I was true. like, I was like, all right, they're going to do this. They're going to pull it off. And then obviously we saw what happened in, in the fourth, but you know, you mentioned Curry's return. What a different team, like that win against Chicago, who again, you know, we could admit not a very great team at, you know, themselves, the bulls, but just the way the offense was moving, you know, they scored 34 points in the opening quarter, had 65 at half. Uh, obviously Steph, you know, being Steph has, has a big impact on that, but you just see the way that the team is built. And I, I almost feel like when I'm, when I'm, when I'm watching them, they're like, I'm like, dude, they're just setting screens and hoping Steph gets the ball in the position to shoot because the rest of those guys, I mean, we've seen it. Nobody else can create. But when you were watching that Bulls game, what's the biggest difference you noticed with Curry back in the lineup versus the first, the previous four without him? You know, I guess this is kind of an obvious thing, but for me, it just, it pounded into place how much everyone gets to slide back into their role because it's not just a matter of, you lose your best player and one of the best players in the league and everyone else goes about as normal. When Steph is out, Andrew Wiggins has to play a bigger role. Kelly Uber Jr. has to play a bigger role. Uh, you know, Jordan Poole has to play a bigger role. Draymond Green has to score. James Wiseman has to be better. And with the exception of Poole and Wiggins there for a game or two, those players can't do that. That's, that's not their role, you know, this sounds kind of rude, but, you know, role players are role players for a reason. And when you remove the star players, then the role players have to be more than role players. And that's just not what they're capable of doing. So, you know, I don't think it's as simple math as like you have the Warriors with Curry and you have the Warriors without Curry, because when Curry is out there, everyone gets to slide into the role that they're supposed to play on the team. And when Curry is out there, everyone gets slid and forced into a role that they're not supposed to play. And surprise, surprise, not very good at it. Do you think there's anything Steve Kerr could be doing differently in the non-Steph minutes? I mean, we've talked about this a ton of before, but you know, especially those, those 12 minutes roughly that 
he isn't playing at the beginning of the second and the beginning of the fourth. Anything you'd like to see him maybe mix up in terms of on the offensive end? Or are we starting to get some confidence in, in Jordan Poole in the sense of, okay, you know, we have Jordan Poole. Um, I'm not even going to put him in the same stratosphere as Steph, but I'm saying, you know, as a scorer, you can maybe look at, all right, let's run a similar similar style of offense, but kind of feed him the ball in the in the Steph role. My, again, Steph is like an A plus, and Jordan Poole at this point is still like a C plus, B minus in his career. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna pump him up at that point, but yeah, do you think that Kerr should be implementing anything different there? You know, I feel like that's kind of been the question of the whole season, even when Curry's out, is how much do you focus on what can give you the best results immediately and how much do you try to work players into the system so that they can be the best possible player in the role you envision them in, in the future when this team is hopefully contending for a title next year with Clay Thompson. Uh, so it, it's a hard one. I, I do think that there are things that, that Kirk could, could do when Steph is out to make the team better in in the terms of having a better chance of winning that particular game. Uh, but when you do that, you sacrifice the steps that they're all making in the Warriors system. And the more you actually stay within the system, the more they grow, the better they are for next year and potentially the better your team is. So, you know, that's kind of a cop-out answer as, as you're, you're used to me making here, Jazz. But um, uh, yes and no. I mean, I definitely, think, I definitely think the Warriors can be doing a lot of different things. Uh, that would maximize their chances more of winning. Uh, but a lot of those things come at the expense of becoming the best possible team you can for next year. And I don't think you necessarily want Andrew Wiggins and James Wiseman uh, to get used to doing things that you then want to tell them not to do next year when Stephen Clay are on the court. There's your, there's your strong takes with Brady Cluffer right there. There's this, <laughs> there's this segment right there. We're going to get that sponsored by Frosted Flakes, right? That's My new it. radio show. Very, very extremely strong takes. <laughs> no, I'm with you. You're trying to, you're trying to get, you're trying to get Wiseman. You're trying to get Jordan Poole, uh, Nico Mannion to a lesser extent. You're just trying to get them to play the right way, right? And, and learn the game. And, and it's funny, even watching the NCAA tournament, um, you, you're, you're noticing like Gonzaga, these guys aren't going to be, none of them are going to be great NBA players. You know what I mean? But they just know the game so well. And so if they do get signed in, you know, and they do get picked in the, in the draft and then they're in the NBA, uh, they're going to come in with a leg up. And I think that's what Steve Kerr's trying to do. Cause even, you know, you're talking about Wiseman, uh, and I wrote about this in the in the latest piece I did for for Golden State of Mind is, you know, they got to hope that he can start asserting himself a little bit more, but he's got to pick up winning habits. I mean, dude only played three games in college, you know, so he virtually went high school to the NBA. You know what I'm saying? So he's got to learn that. And I'm with you, you know, developing the habits. And, and I wrote this in that in the piece I'm talking about, too, is getting these guys into the playoffs, just getting in. And, you know, nobody's expecting them to do anything. I've, and I've said this, you know, before getting to see Steph in a in a seven game playoff series potentially winning three, even four games on his own by scoring 45 points tonight would be a lot of fun. But at a deeper level, getting James Wiseman, getting Jordan Poole, these minutes where everything is ramped up, these teams are now prepared for everything that you do in terms of their scouting reports. They know if you're going left or right, they know which way, you know, your first option is your second option. So I think that's going to be important for them. But, you know, looking at, at Wiseman so far, and how he's played and, and you know, since he's returned to the, back to the lineup after after the health and safety protocol absence, where does one thing that you're looking at from him and saying, you know what, he really, really, really needs to hone in on this in order for him to not, oh, not, not even live up to the fact of being a number two pick, but just living up to his potential as an individual? Well, I think 
aggression is the thing that he really needs to work on. And that manifests in a lot of different ways. But right now we see when he gets the ball, his, his first instinct is to go away from the hoop rather than to it. He wants to face up. He wants to shoot jumpers. He wants to usually take a dribble or a step backwards before taking those jumpers. We don't see him really attacking the rim either with or without the ball. And then you see that on the other end of the court as well. He's, he's not a very aggressive defender. You know, he fouls a lot, which you sometimes think of as going hand in hand with being aggression. But in his case, it really is more because he's out of place. He's not where he needs to be. And frankly, he hasn't been a very good rebounder. And all of these things are natural. Like you said, the guy's only played three college games. He's only played about, you know, 30 NBA games. He didn't have a training camp because of uh, the coronavirus. Uh, he just turned 20 a few days ago. You know, none of this should be surprising. These are the things you, you expect from a player in, in his position. But for me, when I watch him, I see right now a player who has the weaknesses of a seven-footer, but not the strengths of them. So that's not giving you any advantages over teams that you wouldn't better have if you played with Draymond Green at this five or with another smaller player at the five, because right now he's kind of playing like a three or a four who's been thrust into the role of a five. He's happier shooting jumpers. He's not rebounding. He's not protecting the rim. I just need to see aggression both ends of the court. And that'll come with experience. And more importantly, that'll come with a full off season being in an NBA training regimen with trainers who are telling you what to eat, how to exercise, how to do this and that. I suspect he'll come back next season, 20 to 30 pounds heavier with muscle. And that helps. How confident are you, are you on a scale of zero to 10 that Wiseman will play in multiple all-star games in his career? Four. Four. Ooh, that's pretty low, Brady. That is pretty low. That is, I just, I don't have a lot of confidence in most people becoming all-stars. You know, it's a, that's a hard club to get into, especially in the Western Conference. That's a really, really hard club to get into. They don't make a lot of all-stars and with the longevity of stars in the league, I mean, you look at it, you go, sure, there are 24 All-Stars every year, but you look at, you know, 15 of those 24, you can pencil in before the season starts as your Steph Curry's, your LeBron James's, your Nikola Jokic's, and so on and so forth. And there's not a lot of room there for, for those kind of more fringy players. I don't expect Wiseman to ever be that player that you pencil in every year as an All-Star. Um, I think there's a very decent chance that he is a multiple-time All-Star, but... Uh, I'm not willing to clearly not that decent Brady you give it below 50% you're at 40% right now you're not that yeah look I'm not gonna put money on him not being a multiple time all-star but uh gun to my head uh, <laughs> it's just it's an uphill battle for a, a player in his position you know I, I I think he's very talented I love his work ethic uh the Warriors are extremely high on him and, and that means a lot um but man you it's an uphill battle for a 20 year old after 30 NBA games, unless you're, you know, Zion. Uh, it's hard to, it's hard to bank on that with anyone really. Yeah. That, uh, you know, he's a, uh, he's in a weird position too, where, like I said, if Wiseman was selected in, or was available as a, as a draft pick, you know, in 2002, 2004, like he's, he's going to be the focal point of an offense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's just the way the game was played, but I, I think he will play in, in multiple all-star games. I don't think we'll see it in the first four or five years. I, I think as he gets into, you know, year six, seven, and he's, you know, 26, 27 years old, really coming into his athletic prime then and his prime as a man at that point. I think you'll see him take another step. When we're looking at when we're looking at 
the overall picture now. I mean, the, the dubs are sitting at 23 and 24, still hanging on to that 10th, you know, the 10th seed as, as of the time we're recording this. Looking at the last 25 games, they got a very easy schedule, third softest in the NBA, 15 out of 25 games against teams that are uh, below 10th in, in the East or Western Conference. What are you looking for over this, and where do you think they're going to end up overall in the standings? You know, primarily I'm looking for consistency, which is a thing we haven't had with this team. Well, we've had consistently, you know, mediocre and consistently average with them. You know, the fact that they went so long without a three-game winning streak or losing streak was was pretty sensational. But, you know, they look really good in a lot of their wins, and they look atrocious in a lot of their losses. Uh, what I'm looking for is, is a team that just consistently plays decently. And that doesn't mean winning all your games. It doesn't even mean winning a lot of games. Uh, but right now, it really feels like every time they lose, they just look horrible. And I need to see a team that looks like a competent basketball team, night in, night out, even when they have a guy missing a game or two, even when they're playing a good team, they just need to look better. And having this, having this week schedule helps them with that obviously well getting rid they, of brad getting rid of brad wanamaker will help, <laughs> help getting that rid of brad wanamaker helps for sure the new rotations definitely help steph curry being healthy definitely helps uh a lot of things trending in the right direction there um as for the standings i think the most realistic spot for them is to end up eighth uh you know at the time we're recording this they're they're tenth they're a game and a half behind eighth the two teams right in front of them are the grizzlies and the spurs those aren't good teams. Um, I'm not looking at their schedules right now, but I'm, I think it's safe to say the Warriors have an easier schedule than them. Uh, so assuming Steph Curry stays healthy, I really think they should be able to get by those two teams pretty easily and slide up into the eighth spot. Then you're looking at, can you pass the Mavericks? Uh, do the Blazers, who haven't actually been that good in terms of net rating, but have always found a way to win games, do they you know, fall off and start to lose some games? I do think getting up, to seven or even six is still in the in the fold. I think it's something they could do, something they should be working towards. But uh, I think the eight seed is the likely destination. Yeah, I think they'll finish somewhere at eight and nine, eight or nine, and I think that's a result of their schedule. I, the Mavericks have the easiest schedule left in the NBA. They, you know, five and five were the last ten, but I mean overall. They, they have looked better since starting the season sluggish where they did have a really, really tough schedule. I think the Mavericks are going to hang on to that. And then you're looking at, you know, either a game against San Antonio, Memphis, you know, in, in the first, uh, you know, in the first, uh, or pardon me, uh, you're looking at, yeah, San Antonio or Memphis in the in the play-in round. And then you got to hope you get through that. And, and, and I think it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, like I said, just getting in and, and having the chance to let, because let's be honest, Curry's going to shoot 30 shots a game. Right. If they make the playoffs, I, I don't think yes. there's any I don't think there's any doubt about that. And and I think that what what, what I'm looking for over this, these final 25 games is like you mentioned, number one, consistency. I, you know, they haven't been, you know, very, very good for long stretches that they, they haven't been very poor for long stretches either than, you know, obviously when they're with their own Steph. But I think the other thing I'm looking for, too, is are they going to be able to start getting more out of guys like Wiseman? You know what I mean? Like, is he going to be able to, to, can he average, you know, 15, 16 a game over the last, over the last 25 games here? And that's not going to come from him setting up in the post. That's going to come from him being able to, you know, get the ball off, uh, off lobs like we're seeing, or, you know, he's, he's, he's the right man on the drive and dish and he's, he's able to get dunks. And I also want to look at guys like Damian Lee. 
And I want to look at, uh, you know, some of the secondary guys, Eric Pascal, you know, when they get back in, when they get into the games, are they going to be able to contribute? And I think that's what I'm really going to be looking for. It's been the same story all season, but if they are able to do that, I think they'll have a lot better opportunity of not only getting in the playoffs, but I mean, mind you, look, I mean, Utah, I think is a terrible matchup for them. Uh, the Lakers are are going to fall down the standings. I'm interested to see where, because without LeBron and AD, they're obviously not a very good team and they have a, a, a hard, hard, hard schedule coming up their next 10, 11 games. So I'm interested, but I, you know, I, I do think that the, the Warriors could give the Suns a run for their money in a playoff series. I think they can give the Clippers a run for their money in their playoff series. So for me, I, I'm wanting them to get up to a point, you know, most likely that they are going to take on the, uh, the second seed, I, I think Utah would be a terrible matchup for them. But who's who's one team you want to look at if they do get into the playoffs that you want to avoid, assuming they get into a seven game series with them? I think I think Utah is is just a, a team that I I don't want to see for the Warriors, and and it sounds crazy to say that because they're the team that lacks the star and talent that the other teams kind of in there have. Uh, but right now, you know, the Warriors have had fifty or so games to prove that they can build a quality offense around one of the greatest offensive players in NBA history. And they've failed miserably. Um, and even if they go to a more Steph centered offense in the playoffs, which I expect them to, uh, there's just been nothing about this season that suggests to me that, that they're capable of being a good offensive team. So you go against really a truly elite defensive team who then has a player like Rudy Gobert, who, you know, isn't the star at the level that a lot of these other teams have, but it's hard to think of a worse matchup at the center position for James Wiseman than Rudy Gobert, uh, who will just make him a non-factor on offense and who will expose his inability to defend in the pick and roll. Uh, to me, just from an X's and O's standpoint, that matchup is is awful for the Warriors. Oh yeah. 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 Rudy Gobert would make, would make life a, a living hell for, for James Wiseman, but again, that's where you want to see him. And, and uh, you're not, you're not winning a championship this year. You know, uh, the, the Warriors yeah. just aren't, and that's where he needs to be. And that's where he's going to learn the most. And again, it might be hard for him. And, you know, I'm not comparing the two. I'm just looking back at, you know, when Kobe was playing against uh, playing with the Lakers and, you know, airballing those, those shots against Utah and, you know, when he's coming up in the league and that kind of stuff is like, that's where you're going to grow from. And, and I think for a guy like Wiseman going at, you know, in a, in a seven game series against a player like Gobert, where he's, you know, he's just, he's smarter. He's, he's more veteran savvy. He knows where to be. He's going to make life difficult on him. I think that that'd be a perfect learning, learning, learning experience for him. So I think that's where for me, um, you're looking at this as in just get into a seven game series, see what happens. Again, we're hoping fans are allowed into the chase center by, you know, maybe in the next couple of couple of weeks here that we're going to get more and more people flowing in, depending what happens with the vaccine here in California. But I think if you're looking at that, that to me is, is, is has to be the goal at this point is get in for a seven game series. Who cares about your pick? It's going to fall somewhere, you know, close to 15, 20 in, in that range. And if you get that, you can, you can parlay that and worry about that in the offseason. But right now, building a team, building that that experience and building the culture for the young guys, I think is is really priority number one at this point. Yeah, fully agree, fully agree. And, and you know, it, I think that's doubly true this year because, you know, the regular season is 10 games shorter than in a normal year. Uh, we still don't know if there's going to be summer league or not. Um, so, you know, these players don't have as many developmental opportunities as they might have had in a more normal year. So, you know, even removing the playoff part and the improved competition and whatnot, just being able to get James Wiseman three or four more games this season is huge mm -hmm. since we don't know if there's going to be a summer league, since he's going to probably only play about, you know, 
50 games this year when you consider the shortened schedule, the injuries he's had, the health and safety protocols, uh, this and that and that. Just more games that he can get on the floor, the better. Yeah, and, and I think that goes for guys like Poole, guys like Mannion. Again, just everybody in that rotation, Eric Pascal, if you're looking at the younger boys, uh, even Kelly Oubre, you know what I mean? Get him into the playoffs. Yeah. Andrew Wiggins, get these guys some more games when it matters because when Clay returns, and we'll see what they do in the offseason, you know, whether they they use that Minnesota pick if it falls at four or five, or if they end up shipping it off, whatever they do, you guys better be ready to come in and win next season. Because if you think Draymond Green's yelling a lot now, if they're playing this way next season and they got a loaded team, he's going to be even more pissed off. So I don't think they, yes. they, they want to deal with that. Yes, very true. Well, that does it for, for this episode of the Collaborative Warriors podcast. As I mentioned off the top, don't forget, you can check us out on iTunes and Spotify. Brady and I will be back next week with our video series. You can catch it on YouTube at Golden State of Mind. And of course, Brady, me, we got you covered throughout the rest of the season and through the offseason as well. We don't just shut off when, when the news stops with, with the games, but uh, you can check us out all season as well at goldenstateofmind.com. That does it for this episode. We'll catch up with you all next week. Yeah.